I'm Barbara Buchanan, and this is episode 13 of Tales from Weird Scotland. The stories told in Tales from Weird Scotland relate to the supernatural and may detail dark and distressing events from Scotland's past. For this reason, the podcasts are not recommended for listeners who may find such content upsetting. Waiting in the Wings The Ghosts in Scotland's Theatres The smell of the grease paint, the roar of the crowd, Scotland's theatre performances have entertained audiences through the centuries. Modern theatre is a far cry from the early mystery plays and 16th century masks played before the royal court. In the 17th century, the Church of Scotland regarded the theatre as promoting immorality and wickedness. The first theatre in Glasgow was burned down in 1752 by a mob encouraged by disapproving Kirk ministers. Edinburgh's first playhouse opened in 1746 in the Canongate at the foot of the Royal Mile. The first performance here in 1756 of the new Scottish play entitled Douglas was so well received that one of the excited capacity audience shouted out, Where's your Willie Shakespeare now? The unlikely playwright was a church minister, the Reverend John Hume, who felt obliged to resign his post in light of the church's persisting negative attitude, which led to the theatre's closure 30 years later. Despite the church's vocal opposition, the public's appetite for the theatre was undiminished, and now, music and dance, human tales of tragedy and comedy, and magical tales of fairies, sprites and phantoms can make us laugh and cry and gasp in wonder and believe in the make-believe. Emotion, passion and energy are in the very fabric of the theatre. Performers' lives can be transformed in one evening, taking them to the pinnacle of success or shattering their dreams. The corridors, dressing rooms and storerooms, high gantries and understage paraphernalia, the clutter and equipment, the nooks and crannies, all never seen by the audience are used to create the illusion of reality. Every theatre has its own atmosphere, its own stories to tell. And some stories are of those who came, but never left. The theatre is, so to speak, their spiritual home. The Ornate Pavilion Theatre in the heart of Glasgow opened as a music hall in 1904. It has seen performances from many great variety artists, including the incomparable Mary Lloyd and a young Charlie Chaplin. But a regular pub favourite from the 1920s to 50s was the local comedian Tommy Morgan, loved for his gutsy, gallus, gleska humour. His dying wish to have his ashes scattered from the roof of the theatre was carried out. Those not fortunate enough to have seen his live performances may get the chance to see his ghost, which is said to wander the upstairs corridors and backstage. Tommy is not alone. A ghostly woman has been spotted in one of the boxes at the side of the stage, and one of the seats in row F of the stalls flips up 
and down, apparently of its own accord. A finale dancer who died when her skirts caught fire in one of the dressing rooms may still be seen there, and there have been reports of piano music playing in the locked auditorium, which had neither piano nor pianist. And these spirits are mischievous. Staff have frequently reported equipment being there one minute and gone the next. Who moves it is never seen. The Glasgow Empire Theatre on Sochi Hall Street dates from 1897. From Vesta Tilly to Frank Sinatra, Judy Garland to Harry Houdini, the theatre has a playlist to be proud of. In 1960, Daniel, an apprentice sign writer, had an unnerving experience there. When working with his trainer in the empty theatre on some routine work to the upper balcony, they felt the atmosphere around them change, as if electrified. Turning round to the stage, they saw and heard, very faintly, what appeared to be nuns singing. Familiar with classical music, Daniel thought he recognised the Easter hymn from Mascagni's Cavalleria Rusticana. The lead singer's voice was beautiful. For no apparent reason, the name Marion came into his mind. The whole experience lasted about three minutes. They went to investigate, but found nothing and thought they must have imagined it. Daniel recounted the story to his mother and she recalled the comedian Charlie Chester having a fine singer called Marion in his show at the Empire. Marion was said to have a golden voice. The following week they were continuing their work, this time painting the sign on the front of the lowered fire curtain. They heard stamping on the stage floor behind it and could feel the floorboards moving. They went round to look, but again they found nothing. They heard music, but this time Daniel could not place it and did not recognise the instruments being played. Two years later, he heard similar music, which he discovered to be the traditional Russian songs played on balalaikas in a performance by the Red Army Choir. And yes, the choir and its accompanying Cossack dancers had performed at the Empire. Had it been their dancing which caused the boards to move to the music of the balalaika? Sadly, the Empire Theatre is no more, demolished not long after these strange events. It is thought, however, that ghosts do not move on when their home is lost. So if you stand by the plaque which marks where once the theatre stood, perhaps you too will hear the music and feel the vibrations of Russian dance steps. The Theatre Royal on Glasgow's Hope Street is Scotland's longest-running theatre. Once used by Scottish television to record the hugely popular one o'clock gang show of songs and sketches, it is now the home of Scottish ballet and Scottish opera. The phantoms of this opera include an unhappy aspiring actress who is said to have thrown herself to her death from the upper balcony. She manifests with moaning and slamming doors. In the shadows of the orchestra pit is the spectre of a fireman who lost his life in one of the two great fires which blazed in the building at the end of the 19th century. Fire all but destroyed Edinburgh's Empire Palace Theatre in May 1911, 
during an ambitious production by the world's highest paid performer of his day, the magician Sigmund Neuberger, otherwise known as the Great Lafayette. Lafayette cut a flamboyant figure and enjoyed the extravagant trappings of his success, lavish clothes and diamond rings. His one true love was his little terrier, Beauty, who sadly died four days before his performance at the Empire. Such was his fame that he managed to persuade the local Edinburgh authorities to allow his dog to be buried in the nearby Piercefield Cemetery, on the provision that he too would be buried there when his time came. He was not to know how soon that would be. The performance finale was an illusion called The Lion's Bride, which involved a live lion, a horse and several human performers. A faulty lamp showered sparks onto the ornate set which caught a light. Thinking it part of the trick, the audience remained watching in amazement until the orchestra played the national anthem, signalling them to leave. The fire curtain was dropped, but stuck before it reached the stage, allowing draughts to fan the flames. Lafayette escaped the inferno, but dashed back to rescue his horse, only to lose his life with ten of his fellow performers. In a bizarre twist, his body double was initially identified as the illusionist, Lafayette being discovered two days later in the ashes of the understage. Lafayette now lies with beauty in Piercefield Cemetery, and the theatre has been remodelled as the festival theatre with a great glass facade and continues in the tradition of the finest performances, particularly at the annual Edinburgh International Festival. Vestiges of Lafayette's last illusion may still remain. A piercing lion's roar sometimes fills the empty auditorium, and a tall, dark, shadowy figure has been reported in the dress circle and on stage. Diamond rings flashing. Although 500 people attended a seance held to mark the 100th anniversary of the fire, there was no definitive evidence of the ghost of the great Lafayette. But as a master of illusion, perhaps they simply didn't know he was there. Nor did they hear the scraping of the wooden leg of a sailor in the upper gantry. Sailors were often hired by theatres for their expertise working in narrow high places with the hoists and knots needed to raise and lower heavy scenery. And a small, limping figure has been spotted on the high fly floor, his wooden leg dragged behind him and the naughty little girl in the bright yellow dress who likes to play amongst the empty seats and tug the hair of audience members or blow on their bare necks was also, somewhat disappointingly, absent that night. Some Theatreland phantoms are well-known, possibly celebrities from the past, others are less familiar. Both Glasgow's Citizens Theatre and the Eden Court Theatre in Inverness share a phenomenon more commonly associated with ancient Scottish castles, a green lady. Curiously, both are said to be the sad shades of women who killed themselves following terrible events in their lives. His Majesty's Theatre Aberdeen has a more individualistic grey lady, as does Perth Theatre. Edinburgh's Playhouse Theatre on Greenside Place seats over 3,000 people. 
It is the perfect venue for spectacular West End musicals and performances by international stars. Originally opening as a cinema at the beginning of the age of the talkies, it screened films for decades before becoming the theatre it is today. Gayfield Square Police Station is opposite the building and late one night in the 1950s a report came through of a possible break-in at the playhouse. A young police constable was dispatched to check it out. The stage door was opened when he arrived so he went in to investigate. As he looked around he met an old man in grey overalls who introduced himself as Albert, the stage doorkeeper, who said that all was well and that he would lock up. The next day, the constable returned to follow up on the call and check there had been no further problems. Again, he met the stage doorkeeper. But this was not Albert. It was a much younger man who said that Albert had died some time before and the playhouse had been empty all the previous night. There is some doubt as to Albert's identity he may have been a stage doorkeeper or maintenance man who died alone backstage in an accident, by his own hand, or even murdered. When he is seen, as he was by the police constable, he is dressed in grey overalls or the coat of a caretaker. From this debut, Albert's manifestations have become a regular feature of the life of the playhouse. His favourite haunt is on level 6, close to the original stage door and a dressing room. Which dressing room is not made widely known in case performers, who are notoriously superstitious, refuse to use it? One night as she was locking up, a front of house staff member saw someone going into the dressing room. Thinking it a cast member, she went to suggest they make their way out. But no one was there. Animals are said to be very sensitive to the presence of ghosts. At the time of the G8 summit in Edinburgh in 2005, highly trained police sniffer dogs were deployed to check the theatre before a performance. One of the dogs refused to enter the dressing room. Eventually, dogs used to working at Edinburgh Castle were brought in to complete the check. Perhaps working in a castle with centuries of history made them more familiar with the presence of ghosts. Often Albert's presence is felt but not seen. Dark shadows blocking lights and banging doors have terrified some of the regular staff and even the toughest of rigours on the touring musical productions. There are cold spots, mysterious noises, lights turning on and off, the touch of a hand or a damp finger on a shoulder when no one is there, the feeling of being watched. A maintenance manager was once called to fix a leak on level 9, the attic area running across the auditorium. Strangely, neither the manual nor emergency lights would work, so he was forced to find the leak by torchlight. As he knelt to begin his task, he felt as if someone was leaning over him, almost crushing him, watching what he was doing. Thoroughly unnerved, he completed the work in record time. Back in the office, no one had any idea who had reported the leak. Was Albert simply making sure the building was being properly maintained to his high standard? Albert also seems to have a sense of humour. A team of paranormal investigators set up detecting equipment and spent time on a fruitless search for him. They decided to pack up and leave. 
One of them got lost backstage on the way out and was given directions by a man in grey overalls. Finally meeting his colleagues, he explained what had happened. They rushed to reset the equipment as they knew no one else was in the building. They came up with nothing. Was Albert playing a game with them? Was he up to his tricks? Other attempts to trace him have resulted in faulty recording equipment and exploding pens. Albert prefers, it seems, to remain a mystery. The Playhouse Bar has been renamed Albert's Bar, which seems a fitting way to honour the theatre's longest-serving employee. Are these stories and anecdotes only theatrical tall tales? Do tricks of the light and drafty, creaking old buildings play with the imagination? In the theatre of all places, the lines between fact and fiction blur. Fantasy becomes reality. And the only truth is what you believe you see. Enjoy your next visit to the theatre. And keep in mind the most famous phrase shouted out by the audience interacting with the performers in every Christmas pantomime. He's behind you! That was Barbara Buchanan. This episode was written by Barbara Buchanan. It was recorded, produced and radiophonically designed by me, Nick Cole Hamilton. This episode also featured Gordon Stewart. For more weirdness, follow us on Twitter. We are at Tales Weird. Weird spelled W-Y-R-D. This is a You Better Run Media production. Join us again soon for more Tales from Weird Scotland.